1: From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett.
2: This is the 289th episode of the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. My name is Rob Snow White. We're going to start off this episode with a little somber note. I'm going to apologize to any clients, any person that's emailed me or messaged me on social media in the last couple of weeks. I've been a little remiss in replying. Uh, today would be my parents' 51st wedding anniversary. This is the November 26th date. and My mom lost her life one week ago to a short battle with brachial ALS. I had a friend, Doug, passed away from ALS a couple years ago quickly after his diagnosis. So I knew it was coming. You know, I really hadn't been able to see my mom since COVID started until the very end. In fact, I took the pixie over there to say goodbye to her about two weeks ago. And then I had a client and I was just distracted the whole time with the client, just thinking about my mom just not being able to spend time with my daughter, who's only nine and a half. I had forty-four years with her, and you know my little one only had, you know, nine years, and and that's gonna bother me for a long time. And my dad's coming over tonight for Thanksgiving dinner. It's just me, the four of us. We're cooking a, a nice small meal. This is my second Thanksgiving ever without my mom. The first one was '95. My mom and dad drove to Florida to see my grandma's, as their lives were closely coming to an end, and this is the first one. You know where she's she's gone. It's going to be a, a tough evening, but we're all here together. And we're going to eat, we're going to drink, and we're going to laugh. So that's going to be awesome. I will have her obituary available for anybody that wants to read it. It will be on probably this episode's notes online. If anybody wants to look my mom up, her name was Dee Dee Snow White D-E-E-D-E. And her birth name is Deirdre. Sorry, she didn't really want to go by her real name, Deirdre, and my grandparents apparently misspelled it on her birth certificate. So let's bring this podcast to a happier note. In this week's episode, we catch up with Joseph Evans in Montana. Joseph is an aspiring guide. He wants to have fly fishing as his full-time gig and lifestyle. And what other freshman do you know that lives in a dorm that has their own drift boat We're going to learn about his summers working in a fly shop. We're going to learn about his local fisheries between Idaho and Montana and how he chases big trout in these rivers and still waters of the West. We'll learn a really cool hack for measuring water depth in still waters. We're going to find out how Joseph utilizes modern social media to share his adventures with people throughout the world. This episode is brought to you by Solo Stove. You know, I've never had to purchase firewood in my life. I've always just gone out and collected it. But we use so much firewood now with our bonfire, We had to get a delivery. We got half a cord delivered and make sure when you do get your firewood that it's small enough to fit inside your solo stove. Depending on the size, we have the bonfire, which is a bit smaller. So we can't use really big logs. You also want to make sure that none of the logs are sticking out above the top because those are going to smoke and that will negate the entire purpose of your awesome solo stove, which is to have a more or less smokeless fire pit one of my favorite parts about the bonfire is just how quickly it goes out when we're done at night. You let those hot embers just go. You can douse them with some water. I actually like to throw ice cubes on them because they melt slower. And your embers are sitting above a pile of ashes on perforated metal. So when all of it goes out, it's out for good. You don't have to worry about a startup fire when you're sleeping. Last school year, we were hanging out at the school playground in our neighbor's fire pit. Caught fire when the wind picked up that afternoon. They thought they'd put it out the night before, but the embers were still hot. Someone had to jump the fence and hose it down. You don't have to worry about that with a solo stove. Its efficiency and burning makes it not have to worry about catching fire when you're done. You currently have a Black Friday deal on, and you have to go through my website or my social media links for solo stove so I get credit. You can currently receive up to 30% off during their Black Friday deal, and please remember that hook sets are always free. Enjoy this podcast, and think of Didi Dee Dee tonight when you're eating your meal. Have a good one, y'all. Thank you.
1: There you go. <laughs> yeah.
2: All right. So, Joseph Evans, where are you right now? If, if we're going to throw a dart at a map,
3: where yeah. are you? I am in Missoula, Montana, uh, on the University of Montana campus in my dorm room.
2: It's not a bad place to go to school? It's no, not at all. Work. It's feeling good. Have they fixed the frosty machine at the Wendy's near downtown Missoula? It was broken <laughs> in the summer of 96. It's the last time I've
3: I do don't, I, don't, I haven't been there in quite some time, so I, I wouldn't know, but that's funny that you remember that.
2: All right. Yeah, dude. So, what year are you in school right now? I just completed my first semester.
3: Oh, wow. So I'm practically a, um, a sophomore or junior going into college with just some high school credit behind me. But I just finished my first year of college. So I'm practically a sophomore, incoming junior with credits, but I am a freshman.
2: Nice. Nice, nice, nice. So you have a celebrity doppelganger for those who may not have seen you online before. You look a so little I'm- Nordic, maybe some Swedish in you.
3: Russian. That's you know, crazy. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm 50%. All right. 50%. My, my whole mom's side is from Russia. So that's, God, you're knocking out of the ballpark with finding little knickknacks about me. Yeah, right man.
2: Now. So does your mom, since this is Turkey Eve, does she put gravy on her turkey? Yes. Like, really? There's something about the Russians that they don't like gravy. At <laughs> least the Russians in Ohio.
3: I feel like she doesn't. I feel like she doesn't use it. they like, like, eat it, but she makes it for us.
2: And she was born
3: there? Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. Does she use modern appliances like vacuum cleaners and leaf blowers if she had to? Or does she do it the hard Um,
3: way? Hard way usually, but she's pretty modern, I'd say.
2: Okay. Interesting.
3: She's been been here like 15 plus, 20 plus years, excuse me.
2: Okay. And where were you born? You're not a Montana native.
3: I'm not. I was born in Tampa Bay, Florida.
2: It's quite the difference from tarpon to brown trout
3: yes very
2: and how did you get into fishing in general and then what led to the the fly fishing
3: totally yeah uh, i started fishing with my dad and we moved to boise idaho from florida i was about a kindergartner first grader and eight nine years old and started fly fishing or excuse me started just conventional fishing you know bass ponds and stock trout ponds we'd fish the boise river right out back and Uh, That was awesome, did the whole worm thing, and then my dad picked up some fly fishing gear and thought he would just try that for fun with me, and we'd learn together and go out together, and then my dad picked up a job opportunity back in Florida when I was still at that young age and uh, left me to drop it or keep fishing, and I I kept fishing. I taught myself, because we didn't get too far together, Uh, but I eventually, you know, through my local fly shop and YouTube videos and everything, I kept picking it up and kept trying and got to learn on my own
2: very cool it was cool and how is COVID affecting your fishing
3: Uh, it's made it to i am forced to get out more i guess
2: because there was just just a new york times article about the rivers being just overflowing yeah with people and boats
3: yeah i mean everybody's out out fishing because what's better to do with COVID going on there's nothing social truly going on so everyone's outside that's why the unexpected guide season for everybody was so much busier than they thought they were going to be.
2: Yeah. I'm still booking clients out here and you know, this is usually my, the doldrums, maybe one trip on black Friday and then I've got some time off, but there's a lot of people picking it up for the first time. It's good for That's us. Awesome. What do you guide? So I do urban local fly fishing around Washington, DC. No way. So you I mean there could be bodies, there's piles of, poop from homeless people. There's shopping carts. There's every kind of litter, spray paint, graffiti. Wow. It's, it's interesting out there, but the fish are all close. You don't have to drive very far. That's and so it, cool. You can catch a, a snakehead two and a half blocks from the White House. Yeah, right. literally. That's so I mean, cool. Pretty crazy, our fishery down here, which is shutting so down. Cool. You know, we don't have the cold water fishery like you. You got to drive, you know, a little over an hour to hour and a half west of here to go find trout so i don't really get into trout much
3: okay i got you yeah
2: so you would consider yourself a millennial Hmm. i don't know that's a good question are there a lot of people your age that fish is your school full of a lot of anglers that go there to fish
3: yes definitely Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of outdoorsmen here in university montana a lot of them Lot fish. I wouldn't say as many are hardcore. A lot of them uh, are, you know, more. I'd say more college bodies. They try to stay home or stay around campus or whatever. But I'm out there like all the time. At least not many people had the had the balls to buy a drift boat their first year. Um, I don't know how I had the balls to do it. I. But most people are a lot of wade fishermen, and then once they kind of move off campus, they kind of go bigger and get a raft or something where they That's can right. have more options.
2: Yeah, so let's get into college life and fishing. So, what are you studying? What's your major going to be?
3: My major's in journalism. I like to I do like to write about fly fishing. I like photojournalism. But sadly, with it being the beginning of uh, beginning of my years here in college, I'm having to do a lot of like political New York Times type of things in my journalism classes, but hopefully I'll be able to major in journalism with like specifics in multimedia and photojournalism. Very
2: cool. So Thank you. I do that with all of the i agree
3: 100 yeah.
2: and how much studying do you get done between your fishing or should i say how much fishing do you get done between your studying well
3: you know i took 19 credits this year which is a pretty high amount and i was still able to fish plenty it was definitely the, the lenience of being able to go on zoom and i only had uh, about half of my classes were in person so i would usually go to class and when the daylight savings didn't hit as hard i was just Going out and hitting the river for a four to six hour float, real quick. When I got out at one thirty, two o'clock, and so I'd fish like, and definitely on the weekends. So I'd fish, I'd say like two or three times a week.
2: Do you have a shuttle service out there? No,
3: they do, but I usually always just I've just made friends here so quickly that that do the same thing as me, and we always just take two cars. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, there's not we a have, whole lot of places in my area where you can put in and then come out. You know, a couple miles downstream. Right. There's just, there are very few boat ramps around here. And then we've got Great Falls in the way also, which is a a huge set of waterfalls uh, between Maryland and D.C., which is uh, George Washington tried building a a canal around it so he could get commerce to the mountains. That was a a pretty big ordeal. You can actually see remnants. One of the spots we do smallmouth trips to upriver is got Uh old, original George Washington's canal wow that's so cool that's pretty neat so do you have a roommate
3: i do in this dorm i got one but he's he just left back home today oh he's he doesn't really share as many things as i do that we like to do he uh plays on his computer and stuff and <laughs> time flies we're back to back
2: my college roommate played nintendo pretty much always he yeah was I think we're late. We, we we no longer converse uh, maybe i saw my graduation i was like I don't think we actually really talked after the last day of freshman year. Yeah. We didn't have much in common and he didn't fish.
3: Yeah. It's hard to connect with a roommate that you don't share anything in common with,
2: but the guys ended up hanging out with were the ones that fished. There you go. I bumped in to Gary last year at the boat ramp on the Occoquan river. My roommate, wow. who I haven't seen since he moved out and my now wife moved in and that would, oh, be, man. it was almost it would be 20 years ago in uh, April or May wow that's crazy so where do you keep all your gear do you've got like oars and stuff in your room and rods hanging
3: (laughs) i i do have a truck and i basically keep everything i can in there in the bed and uh, i got a camper shell on top and it works out like perfect man
2: all nice and locked up you got a guard dog in there maybe a snake dude i've been i've been broken into before not in my truck
3: but in a truck my buddy's dad had and it's like i lock up every time for sure like it's dangerous but and you know there's break-ins in college college parking lots often too so it's like scary
2: there's a ton of people going around i mean i hear all the time that people are getting car jacked in dc and car hopped so on the night before july 4th we were going to ohio and i didn't lock our car i'm assuming i didn't lock it because in the morning Fishing gear is all there, but as we're driving, I'm like, Where, "Where's all the food for the road?" I put a whole reasonable shopping bag on the shotgun seat, and whoever opened my door took all the food. Wow! Thousands of dollars worth of fishing gear in the back, but they took yeah. they took triscuits and snack cakes and some cokes. Wow!
3: And they didn't and they didn't touch anything else.
2: No, they went. They did the whole neighborhood. Someone got them on on a ring camera. They're wearing full biohazard suits
3: biohazard suits yeah
2: in case someone's car had the rona in it or something you know was, oh my
3: goodness
2: yeah i want to get bear traps or something put those around the car at night
3: that'd be so funny
2: yeah i actually catch someone it'd be yeah or like a trap like a net yeah like how they caught c3po and or not return of the jedi if you know uh-huh.
3: that
2: reference <laughs> Hopefully you do i think i do i think i do yeah, you're like Peter Parker's age in the Avengers. He knows about the, the Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you keep your boat? Is that always in tow?
3: I, um, no, it's not. Uh, I keep it at a, so I was keeping it during the better weather on just a, paying for a piece of dirt just outside of town. I just go grab it in the morning of or the evening of some fishing. And uh, now it is hanging out in a buddy's garage.
2: Nice. Yeah, so you don't get all the winter stuff. I gotta cover mine up tomorrow. I don't think I'm using it for a while. It's just all leaves right now. Yeah, it's your tr- uh, your hubs, man. You keep those bearings greased.
3: Um, they're good. Yeah, I actually don't keep them greased. I probably should. In the spring, I hope to do like a really big cleanup slash like renovate the whole trailer and rafts, uh Excuse me, drift boat set because I uh, that whole setup that I have was used, and I hope to you know bring it back
2: to life i've had a bad year with bearings bad really? enough now that i carry a whole kit to swap them out on the road wow like i carry extra cotter pins extra bearings grease seals i carry extra grease gloves all the tools dang oh my god yeah i've had to learn the hard way i believe it i was on my way to a client and i heard pop and i, oh, learned, no. and I, had, I had plenty of time to swap it out so that's good yeah, that was pretty nasty. And what kind of boat do you have? It's a green raft? It's an RO skiff. Okay, so the green raft in your YouTube. is that your I used old one? to have
3: a green raft.
2: So now you have I'm the rowboat. There's a guy in Virginia who had a pine tree fall on his, his row drift boat. Nothing happened to it.
3: Wow. But
2: That's It's nuts. a solid boat. It is a solid boat, I agree. I like it a lot. And what do you keep in your boat with you? What's your... Uh, go-to like in your gear bag tp food
3: honestly i'm pretty scrappy pretty scrappy i'd say i do like dr pepper but i'm a big gatorade powerade drinker uh always got a water bottle and then always a sammy with maybe some almonds or chex mix try and keep it somewhat healthy if i can but i don't want to lie to myself on here gotta have maybe like one thing of candy and that's like for the food wise just enough to get me by sometimes i don't even eat which is pretty unhealthy but <laughs> um
2: when you're fishing then, you're not paying attention to the belly i'll get thirsty so but i don't really get hungry too often
3: that's so true yeah and then i my flies i really just keep all my flies in one uh like conventional tackle box container but that's going to change well
2: let's start talking about your, your gear and your fishing what is your style so you're a a mountain streamer dude we may have heard you as a streamer bro on a previous podcast
3: i i do love streamers i think that is uh the i think that is the most effective way of catching big fish i don't like i don't like fishing small dries but it's made me a better angler for sure and i am i like i like to throw streamers even in the winter in the summer i do love to throw big dries but I definitely like to chase bigger fish. I think that's just kind of part of the challenge. I've caught. It's not that I don't cherish a smaller fish. I've just caught I've caught those smaller fish time and time again, and I want to keep continue to chase big ones because that's what makes fly fishing challenging.
2: You throwing a big heavy rod with that to throw those big articulated I throw flies? an eight
3: weight. I throw an eight weight most times. and Some people look at me funny, but I like. I just like having more leverage. But you can also throw. A, you can throw a six or seven. I'm going to have a six weight here soon. A native rod six weight. And I'm excited for that. And I'll fish that with like nymphs and dry droppers. And then I'll have an eight weight and I have a five weight.
2: Nice. With working at a fly shop over the summer, did you take advantage of a discount?
3: Oh, yeah. There's tons of cool discounts, uh, discount opportunities. Yeah. I do miss that. Yeah.
2: Pick something right off the shelf when you're there.
3: Oh, yeah. It It would take away from the paycheck quick, though. You wouldn't really see much of a paycheck if you just put it on the tab. Of your, of your account, <laughs> which isn't a sad number to see at the end of the month.
2: And what fly shop did you work at this summer? I worked at Henry's Fork Anglers in Island Park. Is it, that had to have been a pretty awesome learning experience. Very.
3: I learned a lot. I went from... I left Boise with a lot of confidence. Just because Boise had a pretty small fly fishing community, which is growing incredibly right now. And then I... You know, when I got to Island Park... Like I said, I had high confidence and it all just went out the window with how competitive the other anglers. Not like competitive as in talented they are and the competition is very, very high. And so then I started back at the bottom of the totem pole and I hope to work my way up with time and experience and knowledge all alongside, you know, like as I
2: learned. Were they making you clean the store, clean all the waiters when they'd come in, clean the toilets?
3: <laughs> uh Shirley Lawson, uh she's a she's the reason why our shop is clean. She's awesome at uh, managing, or keeping everything clean, and you know, Shirley's around. You're cleaning windows, and it was awesome.
2: I've had my fair share of being the youngest and the new guy in a fly shop, and oh uh, yeah, you get some of the pretty awful. While well, everyone else is hanging out chatting about fishing, you're out there doing who knows what. The, the right. Rework.
3: If you come in, if you come into that conversation, they look at you like you're like you're stupid. Right. <laughs>
2: Do your friends row drift boats so you can fish while they get behind the oars?
3: Um, a lot of the friends I met here at college
2: didn't really know how to. And I actually like
3: was able to like help introduce them to rowing and taught them. And it was really cool because then by the end of the season and the year here in college, everyone was able to row that came on the boat.
2: That's pretty awesome.
3: But some some I met did know. And some I actually uh, connected with a couple of guys that were here um, that lived here that I... Met prior before I got to Missoula, which is cool too.
2: Do you plan on going back to Idaho after school? Are you gonna stay in? Yeah, Montana? I'm
3: actually going. I'm actually going to Idaho back home for the holidays tomorrow. But uh, are you? Do you mean like after college?
2: Yeah, when you're like uh, in the real world, as they would say.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It's a great question. I do believe so. Uh, I feel like Idaho definitely has a place in my heart, and I I do like Idaho. Montana is incredible. But they're you know they're super close, so I feel like if you choose one or the other, you know in the end they're kind of the same state. In the kind of kind of.
2: And those steelhead in Montana. That is very true, and I do like to chase steelhead. You said you got a steelhead project you're working on at school too. I did. So that was a senior
3: project I did, and I completed it. And we were the only school, or only excuse me, only uh, group in our in our graduating class to complete that project because it all got canceled due to COVID.
2: So senior was, year, yeah, you got totally just everything just shut down.
3: Yeah, I had like the most awkward graduation in the world. It stunk, man.
0: At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages. Things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on. And for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com.
2: Well, see, my, mine was awful. We No one liked the guy that was the speaker. It took three or four hours, and we're all just sitting there bored out of our minds. Yeah.
3: And, you know, some kids are like, I, you know, I rather would have graduated simpler than going through that whole process but you know i wanted to go through that process because i feel like you've got to go through the process
2: i'll do some more streamer stuff because that's seems to be quite popular these days are you tying your own i do but also
3: i i'll use whatever i i truly don't believe in the color and everything and the type of streamer matters as much as the presentation uh how you like present the fly and uh where you put it
2: okay Do the materials going into it help with the presentation, the landing, the initial movement when it hits the water and grabs their attention?
3: Yes, I agree. Every fly moves differently. I do believe that certain flies produce better than others at times. Uh, Like for example, if you're really trying to, if these fish are lethargic and a a little bit slower and aren't really interested in attacking something on the surface. You've got to be able to tie a fly where it's got less material and can sink down quicker, but also still move very well, like through an articulation or something.
2: Do you keep a second hook on your articulated flies?
3: I do, yeah. I mean, if I'm allowed to fish uh, an articulation, I'll do it any day of the week.
2: Yeah, I got burned by one of those ones getting stuck in my hand. I've been hesitant oh, shoot. to fish a doll, will sell them. But I'm hesitant to fish them myself. I feel like I need to cut that second hook off. So the bass bit the first hook. And then while I was lipping the bass, I dropped it.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: So then the second hook went through my thumb because the weight of the fish was pulling it down. And my wife's like, why are you screaming like a little girl? And I'm like, "Ah!" and the fish is flopping around, moving that hook in my thumb.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my goodness, that's so funny! I've had the same thing happen to me with like a big four-pound largemouth in a It It is not a good time. I feel your pain.
2: Yeah, uh, so lethargic. You're talking winter fishing for them, or hot heat of the summer? Do you do you, Ooh, the, the hoot house? You shut down, right?
3: Um, some of the waters do, yeah, um, but not all. I I think sure fishing in the winter is definitely the most productive. I think that's when fish, you know, eat less meals, but even bigger meals. And then, you know, they are lethargic, but trout do love cold water. So it's like they're not like freezing, you know what I mean? But I definitely like to present my flies deeper in the winter than I would care for in the summer. The summer, I feel like a fish is a lot more willing to, they're, you know, most of them are already looking up at the top anyways. So they, they can come up and smash a stringer. But there's also places where, you know, if there's certain river systems with certain fish that just got psycholateral lines that'll come up and eat it on the surface at any given time
2: using a sink tip or using some extra weight on that fly to get it down to the the deeper fish holding over winter
3: i like to use a sink tip and a weighted fly it all depends on the length of your leader though so like if another great tactic i like to use is a floating line with a heavy heavy fly and a long long fluorocarbon leader then i'm able that flies and have a lot of action and it's going to be able to get down deep through that long leader and have a very good jigging action, almost like bass. I like to think of bass when I'm um, streamer fishing for trout in a way, like moving the flywise. But then also I do like a sink tip just because my line in general, if I'm you know, going through a big wide run, I'd want to keep my line in the water as long as possible. And especially if I have a boat, I like a sink tip because you're making short casts and you're bumping it two, three times until you relift and go again when you're hammering the bank. I think it's very important to have a heavy sink tip to get it down in those two, three bumps you make before you pull it back out again.
2: How fast is the water? Do you have enough time to get it down before the boat's already past the spot? Uh, Definitely it matters on the rower, how if he's slowing you down for you. Also
3: matters on the type of river too and the structure. I'd say yes, you definitely have enough time to to throw it. You just sometimes got to throw it a little bit ahead of yourself with streamer fishing. And then, you know, as it's, as you're catching up to your line, that slack, when your fly lands, you are uh, tight with it. And then you're usually in line with the boat.
2: And you seem to be a fan of the, the rod over the shoulder pose. How did that come about? <laughs>
3: um, I have, I feel like, you know, I've done that. I've done that pose a handful of times, not, not a bunch, but in my past I did a good amount. It's always great to just kind of show that it's a fly rod and, it's just prideful, I guess you could say. It's it's exciting.
2: You're not worried that that fish might jerk and that rod's going into the drink.
3: Oh, if it does, it's, it is what it is. But uh, if it's in the winter, if it's in the winter, I don't want my my rod and no. reel really getting in the water because it's just going to stay frozen.
2: Yeah. So we would normally be up around this time of year steelhead fishing and having to worry about that. Yeah. But I, I don't even think we can get to New York right now. Dang. I don't think there's going to be any steelhead for me. Maybe I could do Pennsylvania or Ohio. I don't know. Not the way things are going, though. It's tough. Yeah. I'll be in Michigan uh, in
3: about a week from now, and I hope to do some great like, steelhead. I've never done it before.
2: Nice. With your lady friend? Yes. Yeah. Where in Michigan is she?
3: She lives out of Grand Rapids just about 30 minutes.
2: Okay. The Pier Marquette It's probably one of the prettiest streams I've ever seen.
3: Yeah, I hope to try it.
2: Yeah, go up to Baldwin, say hi to the guys at Stealthcraft for me. Okay. They're, I mean, they're right on the river, basically.
3: Wow, I didn't know they were, they were made there. Yeah. That is I way cool. If,
2: I've been up there before. It's, it's far for me, but I drove. So, wow. do, you know what, do you know which rivers you're going to fish?
3: I'm going to try. I think I'm going to try the Pier Marquette. Um, maybe the road, but Pier Marquette, for the most part, the flats really close to her place. But I think I'm going to focus on the Pier Marquette and maybe try the Muskegon. But I think, I don't know how
2: weighting would be on the Muskegon. It seems pretty big. Yeah, I don't know much of that myself. I've only seen one of the Michigan steelhead streams. And then maybe
3: the Grand as well, if uh, conditions are right. I've heard you got to time them just right.
2: And I think all those West Coast Michigan streams are all really sandy. Just for really? the nature of the, the sand dunes that were there. I mean, their sand dunes are left over from uh-huh. whatever used to be there i don't know i don't know There's either I so. there.
3: that's cool We're i guess to, right
2: the podcast i did with glenn like a year or so ago he's from michigan he was telling us uh-huh. about it i'd have to go back and listen
3: yeah. that's
2: awesome so you're gonna fly I'll with have to go you're, find it you fly with your waiters and all your layers and stuff
3: yeah i gotta figure i'm doing that tomorrow i got because i gotta put a bunch of moving out of this dorm room so i gotta put a bunch of my dorm room stuff in my car and leave my, I'm leaving my car and I'm flying back home. And then I'm taking everything I packed from here and flying over to Michigan. So I got to get some strategy for airplane attire. Oh,
2: man! Have your clothes and then wear your waiters and then a waiting coat, your <laughs> buff and then your costas. And then you're COVID free. That's I don't think COVID could get through waiters.
3: No, that's very true. Especially when you're like anything you sit down or any place, you know?
2: Yeah. <clears throat> How far is your flight home tomorrow? And you, you nervous? Your parents? Are no, nervous? Not, at, not at all.
3: I'm going going to uh, Boise from here, and it's dumb. I got to fly to Portland first, and then get to Boise, which I know it's stupid how flights work these days. And my mom, likes my mom for some reason she loves me, and this is why she's doing it. But I, I should just be driving six hours home, but. She doesn't, uh, and I've done it. I literally did it like two weeks ago and she thinks the weather's awful, but there's no snow on the ground. So I don't really know what she had in mind, but apparently I'm flying to Oregon then, then home.
2: Well, give her a big hug when you walk in. Sure I will. You. Yeah, man. Do your <laughs> do you, Does your dad still fish?
3: He really doesn't. No, he he goes when I go, you know, like he'd love to go for a day out in the on the boat with me because he doesn't get to go as much. But he's a working man.
2: All right. What are some of the the streams you're willing to name? You grew up fishing in Idaho, and the ones you fish in Montana.
3: Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm totally willing to name stuff, man. Everyone's real to fish everywhere. So I, I fished uh, the Boise River growing up. That place has like a special place in my heart because that it's a very urban river, and it's one of the most difficult rivers to find large fish in, and it holds my biggest brown trout. And it is it is a very difficult river. It's like all subsurface fly fishing. And it uh, runs right through town. So I just was able to fish that before class in high school and after class in high school and before basketball practice. And I really learned how to fish on that one. And then as time progressed, I, I was able to get a vehicle and I fished the Oahe River in Oregon, which is only like 45 minutes from my house in Middleton. And my family's home, not mine. And then at the South Fork of the Boise River, also like places like Silver Creek, and uh, Magic Reservoir over near Sun Valley were awesome places to go fish. And then as time progresses more, I got this job at Henry's Fork Anglers, which I believe eastern Idaho is like fly fishing paradise with the South Fork Snake River, Teton, Henry's Fork, of course. And then I've, uh, as I am now here, I fish the Bitterroot, the Blackfoot, and the Clark Fork right here in Missoula.
2: Wow. And you have seen a river run through it?
3: I I haven't seen it, actually. I've read it, but I read it when I was young, and I didn't understand a single bit of it because it was very, very complex words.
2: Yes. That's the thing where I first read about the Blackfoot River.
3: Yeah, that's where that one was from. Yep. Big bull trout in the Blackfoot. I actually tied some some jig streamers earlier this morning that I'll throw under a bobber in the springtime in the water when the flows go up, and those bull trout love them.
2: All right. I want to come back to bull trout, but bobbers, you have a way of... Figuring out the water depth, fishing those on a still water. Yeah, really interesting. You want to g- explain that for people that yeah don't, totally don't have a video in front of them.
3: Yeah, I okay. So I am I lo- I fish a river over a lake any day of the week, but lakes. If you want to catch learn how to catch your biggest fish, you need to know how to fish still water. Still water, in my opinion, holds the largest fish, and that's because there's the most abundance of food, and they have the a larger area to roam. So, when it comes to depth with still, with still water, it depends on the lake, has, if the lake has weeds and such. But I'm not a big believer in that fish always are belly to the bottom. So, you know, I, when I'm fishing like bounce leeches and coronamids, I always start, you know, six to eight feet is a pretty normal range for a trout to cruise at and suspend at. And as the day goes, I change my depths until I find where I'm consistently catching fish.
2: And how did you measure the depth of the water?
3: I so if I'm fishing like a fishing off a boat and I have time that day and I'm not really worried about a thing, I'll bring forceps, especially for chironomids. If you're fishing a muddy lake with chironomids, I will uh, clip the forceps to your bottom fly, and then you you loosen up your indicator to where it uh, slides all the way up your long long leader and stays afloat. Once your forceps hit the bottom, you can adjust your indicator where it's about, um, to where it's about a six inches to two feet right above the bottom. That's where you know your bottom fly is. It's a good technique.
2: Have you ever caught a fish while you've had the hemostat on there?
3: Yep, I didn't. I haven't, and I ended up breaking that fish off. Oh, no. Because of the hemostats. He snagged the bottom with something with that the hemostats, and he ate the top fly, of course. That's still pretty cool.
2: I'd rather cool. hook and lose a fish than not hook one at all. That's true. Do you have a preference I, for your chronomids?
3: Um, It depends for sure. Pyramid Lake, I, I like having some color and unique color to them. And then, like most time, I catch fish on, I like a purple Coronamid a lot for like anywhere else. And I like, I like a typical snow cone midge, does literally all you need. So, also a brown or olive, like zebra midge is basically the best carotid mid you could make.
2: I'm not familiar with the snow cone midge.
3: Snow uh, cone is a white cone. It's like a white bead head with right. black thread and red wire. All right. Or red thread with like black wire
2: or silver wire. Interesting. Interesting. You ever fish damselflies?
3: Oh, yeah, all the time. That's why I think an all bounce leech is probably one of the better ways to imitate a damsel. But I've also tied really realistic ones or bought really realistic ones that, that do the job the same way. Small small olive wood bugger or uh, a semi seal leech and just stripping it can do fantastic.
2: And are you using fancy brand name hemostats or do you just have like, now that you know you might lose a pair after that time, do you just put a cheap pair on?
3: Yeah, definitely. I, I don't drop down a
2: nice pair, too risky. I keep, I keep mine on a retractor, that way I never lose it.
3: Yeah, I don't – my buddies will always, like, clip it to something on their body, and I'm like, that's going to fall off. they are like, no, it's not, and it always falls off.
2: Yeah, those are I the stats that you find for yourself or the ones that everyone else loses.
3: Yeah, right. exactly. I can't say anything, though, because I don't even own a pair right now because I've lost mine.
2: I once bought just a huge bag of them on eBay from Pakistan. No like, way. Like 80 pairs because I'll sell them, and I'll just give them to clients. So I always have the big yeah. cup holders in the boat. And my clients are like, oh, these are cool. I don't have these. I'm like, put them in your pocket.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. But that's my a cool
2: one. And my daughter and her friends always take them out. And then, I, then we <laughs> hook a, a bluegill and it swallows the hook. And I'm like, where are all my hemostats to get in there? Your daughter is just like laughing. Oh, my God. Dude, the stuff she did on my timetable yesterday, there are cut up O-rings. So she likes to take uh, glass beads, put them on a hook. And then use uh And she makes funky caterpillar, juicy grub-looking flies. Just, <laughs> I mean, it's a mess. There's, there's stuff everywhere.
3: Oh, my goodness. Just stuff stuck to each other?
2: Yeah. Just, and then I knocked over all of my intruder stuff that was in a, a box from Loose Tea. And yeah. it just went all over the floor behind my tying table. So I got to get down there tomorrow. Dang. Dig that out. I'm cooking the turkey for seven hours, so I got to get, I got some time to clean up. There you go. Yeah.
3: Are you excited for your dinner
2: tomorrow. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty small. Just my dad, wife, the kid, and me. There you go. So last year we hosted almost twenty five to thirty people, and this year wow,
3: it's four. Man.
2: So more turkey for me. <laughs> What are you looking forward to most at the thir- Thanksgiving meal?
3: Well, I will not be having mine tomorrow, sadly. I'll be having mine uh, Friday. But most looking forward to uh, just, I rarely ever does majority of my family get together because my brothers are a lot older than me. So just always being together at once is what I look forward to most.
2: Very cool. My brother and his wife are going to his in-laws out near Dulles Airport. Nice. So I told them to swing by for the fire pit, but it's gonna be sixty eight degrees here tomorrow. So wow. I don't think we're gonna be fire pitting. That is nice. Yeah. I was out getting kindling today and I was sweating. That is incredible. Lucky, it's like thirty four at a high here. But at least you get snow. You know, it doesn't snow here in the last five, really? six or seven years. I think we maybe had one inch last year.
3: And where are you? In Virginia?
2: Yeah. Snow, huh, like, I definitely and, thought it snowed there Yeah, just it's been a weird pattern I'm hoping we get dumped on this year It's not like we have anywhere to go <laughs> Right And they installed LEDs on the streetlights outside Oh, oh wow so I'll be able to watch the snow It's so much brighter out there like, You can read at the fire pit at night It's that bright Oh my goodness It's be super dark
3: In Michigan, it's like pitch black everywhere you go
2: yeah. So I grew up in a place called Reston and there were no streetlights anywhere. So I grew up in the absolute pitch black. Wow. 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 Yeah, man. Uh, all right. So let's talk about, you know, your, your media and stuff, how you're gonna, you know, try and make a living out of this. And what, when did you decide, I want to do this for a living, hopefully in the future. And, and what did your mom say?
3: <laughs> um, when I was 17, I went on a really cool trip with my best buddy, Bradley, to Magic Reservoir, and I just decided, hey, I am uh, like I don't really see myself doing anything else, and school is always important to me, and I didn't really know what I wanted to study, and I was like, I didn't know what I wanted to study till, like, like my second days of college here, and so it's just, it turned out that, hey, this is I, I don't see myself doing anything else, and I don't care how much I put into account uh, money, and I said, you know what, I don't really care how much I make, I'm just going to do this, and... So right now, my goals are to to begin guiding. I'm definitely a people person. I don't see how I could not get a kick out of making someone else's day of uh, being out on the water, doing like what I get to do every single day. That is something I'm really looking forward to. And the media part, you know, I'm going to continue to on the side just to continue to grow my own name and hopefully bring them
2: on your website, too. When you have all that stuff, people are like, this guy knows what he's talking about.
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. I think it's good to have platforms so uh, people, can't, people can't see one and not get, uh, paint a picture in their head. Although I hate it when people paint a picture in their head based off what's on the phone screen. You know, if you got some options to show them what, what you like to do, and I love to take pictures and video, and that's when media comes. And, you know, hopefully working with other fly fishing companies can also grow, can grow awareness. And, you know, all those people I can hopefully get on the media page will be convinced to come fish with me and have a good time.
2: Are you good at undoing really bad leader knots?
3: We'll find out soon.
2: Okay. My own, Uh,
3: my own, I may be decent at, but who knows what a Charlie at six trying to throw a dry drop drop will, will do to that kind of rig.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to think off the cuff, off the top of my head. Some of the crazy things that have happened to me, people showing up drunk in the morning. No (laughs) way.
3: Uh, Definitely.
2: uh,
3: I'm going to definitely wear my sunglasses for getting hooked. Yes, I can see yeah. that happening.
2: Debarb everything, man. It's a $100 copay at our hospital, any hospital I go to to get a hook taken out. No and, way. Plus, you're also wearing expensive clothes and just a barbed hook. That's true. Yeah. Get, learn how to do the mono method. What's, oh, yeah. I've, I've seen that. Yeah. It's, it still makes me nervous when I do it to clients. The last one, the woman got maybe in a clouser through her shin. Oh, shit. And, and I popped it out. She was talking. She didn't even know I did it. And she was oh, super wow. embarrassed because she's like, it's COVID. I haven't shaved my legs in a month. So she looked like the close-up of, like, a fly's head. Like, <laughs> brutally. She's
3: was like, don't oh, look at my
2: legs. That's hilarious. You be okay when people break your rods?
3: I'm not going to let them fish my rods. I'll probably go ahead and buy some, like, little, um, some cheaper Reddington or TFO setups or something like that I fish. I, I fish anything I can fish with. That's just a little more higher quality than that. But you know, I've fished Reddington and Crossroad. I have fished like what would be a client rod forever now. And I'm slowly starting to realize, Hey, you can fish with nicer things, you know? And so I'm, <laughs> it's awesome. It feels good that I'm actually fishing with something that I can enjoy casting.
2: Right. What about people trashing the boat?
3: Can oh, I- it'll, it'll happen. I'm not too nervous for that. Um, you know if people are just disrespectful though and just like don't take to account that that's like my belonging, that would be frustrating for sure, but
2: it's like dude, this is my office man i don't I don't come into your office and just spill coffee and hock loogies on your floor
3: right like I mean this is like figuratively, but my drift boat has like just as much value as my car, not literally or figuratively like I said, but like it uh it it does have a lot of value to that to that
2: person that owner. Are you a member of the American Fly Fishing Trade Association?
3: No, I've never heard of it.
2: So AFTA, you can get insurance through them. It's like $400 a year. Okay. So you want to call up Aurelia, A-U-R-E-L-I-A. Okay. I I can probably get you information. Yeah, man. It's it's fly fishing guide insurance, and you get a discount at Staples. And as a student, it's not bad. Wow. I wish we could walk into Staples and buy stuff but it doesn't work that way huh. yeah there's some perks being with the the afta it's something like 35 bucks a year um, but AFTAs, is you know that's our, our our main you know voice on capitol hill and with the other fishing trades
3: right yeah well that's cool i'll have to look into that thank you for that
2: yeah all C- cpr certified and everything i'm gonna get that uh probably spring right right as
3: spring hits or you know first first couple of weeks of 2021 just so i'm all squared and ready to go nice i want to prove to my boss that hey i'm coming into the shop like i got the drift boom and i hopefully have some some client rods i'll try and have a nice looking fly box good gear and show them that i'm ready to go i'm ready to learn ready to get some people out I, you know there's low odds i get anybody but this year but who knows like it might look out
2: so let's say you're tying on your third Zoo Cougar because they've already broken off two. And they lose that one. What fly are you going to give them next?
3: Ooh. Their third Zoo Cougar, like a third streamer, like the, yeah, the Kelly like Gap.
2: Third, like... So they've already lost, like, $26 worth of equipment. Are you going to give them another fancy one or are you going to put on just, like, an olive woolly bugger?
3: I mean... It depends on what I have confidence in. If I really have confidence in that fly in that river in that section and know that it could produce, I'm going to put them on another Zook Kruger if that's what I'm confident in. Because losing flies happens, but, you know, the end of the day, I'm going to make sure they realize that that's, that is my gear you didn't lose. Yeah. And uh, it does happen, but I'm, there's very little sorrow for you.
2: I had one guy lose two dozen shad flies in like 40 minutes. I was like, all right, I got this dollar pack of crappy jigs from Walmart just for now. That's what you're going to use for the rest of the day. <laughs> he went through, and they were two fly rigs, and he just it was like one after another. Wow. And the next, the rock, you could see where he was just foul hooking him. It was just where he was standing, the current in the eddy, and this rock. And then the next day, that rock was two feet out of the water. The river <laughs> dropped, the tides were different, and the wind. And, of course, they all washed away by then.
3: Dang. I thought you were going to tell me that you got all the flies back.
2: No, we do sometimes. The best is when it's super windy out here and the tidal creeks blow out. Uh-huh. I lost a bunch of flies two weeks ago. I Dang. to one three-foot-long catfish and one, like, 20, 22 inches long. On a fly rod? Yeah, on a six-weight. That's cool. And, yeah, it's kind of dead weight, though. I was like, this yeah. might really be a stupid striped bass because it's heavy, but it's not fighting. Right. And I, there was something in front of, there's some structure down there, and I lost like four or five flies on it to the point where I'm like, all right, I'm fishing the flies. I don't even fish with clients. They're so dumb and ugly looking. <laughs> I'll oh, do it to man. myself. If I start losing expensive stuff, I'm like, yeah, I'm switching out to the ugly stuff.
3: Same. I'll do that too.
2: So let's if I about, got yeah, Go yeah, ahead. What, what do you tie on? What's your vice?
3: It's a peak vice. I'm actually like kind of playing with it right now. It is a, um, it is a peak vice I got from Thiebaud's Ranch in Idaho, and it was a, like a early Christmas gift. And it gets it done. I mean, not much else to, not much else to it. It gets it done.
2: You got any favorite materials you like to tie with? Any tool brands you like?
3: Ooh, uh, not, not for Christmas. I would suggest a peak Vice. I do like it, and it's not very expensive to start out. And then for tools, I, don't, I use pretty raggedy tools, but I can say a good pair of scissors goes a long way. And if you, it kind of depends on what you tie, too. But uh, if you tie nymphs, drop the money on UV resin because the nymph looks 20 times better with UV resin, in my opinion, like a paradigm or something, for example. And then um, if you're doing streamers, I'd say focus on your hooks out of anything and having strong thread because you need to make sure, like, I use two tendon ear, but also there's GSP that's more expensive, but that stuff does not break. And you want to be able to have very tight cinched up wraps when you're first starting out before you learn, like, how, how, how strong you can go before breaking. And so those are huge tips. I think dry fly fishing, I just or dry fly fly tying, I just don't even mess with it. <laughs>
2: yeah i tried learning parachute atoms or just parachutes in general in march it's like yeah i'm, I'm gonna not do those i'll just Seriously? use a piece of foam i don't even touch when it
3: gets to a fly it's like below size 12 i just cut it and i don't really do it i just buy that fly at that point do
2: you have a home fly shop both in idaho and montana
3: uh, the one I've kind of been coming to in Montana is Grizzly Hackle in Missoula. There are some yeah. guys in here, and then in Idaho, I grew up at the Three of Rivers Ranch in Eagle, and just those guys gave me great intel and helped build me up to to figure out how to figure how, figured out uh, how to fly fish a lot more. And then Henry's Fork anglers is now the the Old Faithful.
2: Right. And when you were growing up doing all this, did you have any? favorite authors favorite people on tv that you'd look up to like heroes or influencers
3: yeah when i was younger it was the guggen squad the bass fisherman out of texas for sure and i even was even if they weren't fly fishing their videos were just so awesome and then it kind of turned into trout hunting new zealand his youtube videos were awesome and i looked up to him and then now it's definitely like influencers like jeff career and Derek oltheus or both of us.
2: right yeah, see, you're coming up through this at an amazing time. I had black and white books. And then when I got cable in high school, then I could start watching ESPN on Saturday mornings before I had nice. to go to work. But other than that, man, it was pretty tough what we had. I imagine. For sure. Yeah, now you could just... I mean, everything's online. You can Google any kind of not... Just everything. It's crazy. Yeah, Totally. Do you have a favorite platform that you like to use when you're posting information? Do you, do, I, mean- I like,
3: I love, I think Instagram's definitely my favorite. Did you mean, sorry, did you mean to ask that in like a different way or no? No. Yeah. Like
2: what, what do you like to post your stuff on?
3: I think Instagram's like my favorite. Cause I like to post still photos just as much as I like to post short videos. Oh, I'm going to really, really, I really
2: hope I can begin improving my YouTube game. I always just feel like I have n- never the right time to film.
1: This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tacovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more.
2: Yeah, when it's not, because you out, like fishing. <laughs> yeah, I'm fishing. Even with clients, like I, I've always wanted to shoot a, a Shad movie when we're out there, but yeah. I just never get around to it.
3: No, yeah, it's I, I struggle with the same thing. I, I enjoy picking up a camera, but I don't enjoy picking up a camera as much as I enjoy fishing. That's for sure. What are sure. you
2: shooting with? Like, I've got a, a Sony.
3: Fish. i got a Sony. It's a mirrorless, so it takes incredible video. It, uh, but it takes also some great manual still shots, too. It is a Sony a seven uh, Mark three, which is actually a camera that a lot of other guys use
2: too. Nice. You got a smartphone. You got your GoPro. I do run
3: a GoPro hero eight. Yep. I like it a lot. It gets it done. I just recently got it. It's only about three weeks old.
2: So I got the original one and I still barely know how to use it. There's one or two buttons on it. Original, like legit, like first gen. Oh yeah. It's, Oh my like, goodness. It's a big square. It's like a thermostat on the wall.
3: Dude, you should, like, put it up next to a new one and just laugh. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. it, it's crazy how technology improves. And, I mean, that was only a couple handful of years ago, too. So it's so cool how far they've come.
2: Yeah, like 10, 10 12, 15 years ago, I carried a, a, a cell phone, a DSLR. I uh-huh. carried a GPS, an iPod, <laughs> uh, what, a, a, a HD video camera. Like the I hens? have a backpack just, and now it's all in just in one device. It's insane. Yeah, seriously. I did put my cool. phone in though when I was catfishing. I I'm, luckily I found it. It was oh, raining, wow. and I just I was filming the hole for somebody, and then I was just dead drifting that fly when the first catfish bit, and I stuck it in my waiter pouch, and I think it just fell yeah.
3: out. Phone in a waiter pouch just isn't a move.
2: And I even have a string like I can put it around the phone case. You're yeah, around your necks, you won't drop it. And I, I was telling Luke and Dan that the two guys that are on the podcast every couple of weeks because one of them dropped the phone in the water. I'm like, These are six bucks at Walmart, and a <laughs> few hours later, I dropped mine in. I'm like, Smart guy,
3: nice, that's funny, dude.
2: Uh, with the girlfriend, did she fish? Was that, she like, does. Like, she was does. that a criteria though before you met her? Like, when you were seeking out college ladies, were you like, They gotta fish? <laughs> no definitely not uh i feel like
3: you know she doesn't have to fish i met her in high school and then uh, you know now we're doing long distance just with college and and whatnot and she moved to michigan like as soon as she finished after one uh, of her years in high school and it's like she doesn't have to fish but if she enjoys coming out there at least every once in a while with me like that's all that matters but she you know if she didn't come out there and just sit there so when she does come out she she learned, she knows how to row now and she she'll fish but She's not a fan of the cold, so if she's in a bikini or if she's in the heat this summer, that's where she's at her at her peak, I guess you could say. Nothing wrong with
2: bikinis in the boat, as long as no. it's me. <laughs> I, I want to get one of those vests that you click and they heat up. Oh wow, I've never heard of that. I, I met a construction worker with one like two years ago, and he's like, "You got to get this." And we were the dads and I were talking about it the other day at the park. Uh-huh. This guy's like, "Dude, I'm totally getting this electric vest." I'm like. I totally want that for the cold. That wow. might be something for your lady friend. That is really, really interesting. I think you charge it with a USB and then you just what? click the logo and it's got copper wires through it and the vests heat up. That's nuts. Those should be an Airby Fly Shop.
3: Seriously. As long as they're not permitting off incredible levels of radiation, I think that'd be
2: okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, can, they can put that in a vest. They can put that in a rod so the ice doesn't build up in the guides. It's all so amazing.
3: true. So true. Yeah.
2: So speaking of, of the YouTube and stuff, what other – where else do you gain your information besides you know, you're working in a shop, hopefully picking everyone's brain? Yeah. Do you, do you read a lot of fishing books?
3: Not really, man. I, I think I learn a lot through just like uh, social media too. Like I learn a lot do social media, but I, am a firm believer and you will, you'll get so much further getting on the water and learning yourself versus asking a million people. And, you know, I've been through that stage. I love to talk to people and get intel and ask them some questions, but you know, I've learned over time when I was younger, I would go bombard people with a bunch of questions and instead of just like asking a handful enough to get me on the water and with maybe a good fly suggestion from somebody. And then you just go from there and you take off. And then that's, that's up to you to learn.
2: Anything you picked up that you'd uh, for teaching others? Because that's one thing about being a guide is teaching them all the little tricks and stuff. Any favorites Uh that you might have? Like favorite tips for when you just get into fly fishing? Yeah, you have any you know hacks or anything that you've learned? Like the first person that doubled over their fly line to string it through their guides was like, "I'm on to something." Yeah, that's definitely a hack. And people will show up with their rod strung through the hook. Keep.
3: Oh, no. <laughs> I've never seen that yet, but that, I can't wait for that. Another So little things on fishing. I'd, I'd say fishing out of a boat would be, A, something I recently just learned is when you're like not fishing, pull your line like in and out of the water. Because I've lost big fish that were in the net from not paying attention, from fly line catching on debris and whatnot.
2: <laughs> I've had people That's just cute. have their line behind the boat, and then it gets sucked into the outboard.
3: Yeah, that's not a good thing either at all. That's a good tip. Another one would be hook sets are free. Unless you're like literally got this huge tungsten fly in two foot of water with an eight foot bobber rig. You're not that setting on every. On
2: your, on your website, <laughs> on, on some sticker. Hook sets are free. That would be, that would be funny. You just coined that's yourself a new term.
3: <laughs> Have you not heard that one? No. Oh, maybe you it's use it east coast west coast when you when you're uh when you're guiding and you got someone who's got a bobber down and you don't know and they don't know but they don't set because they go oh i don't think that's a fish there was a funny meme i saw on instagram the other day of it was like a guide a guide meme and the person's like oh that wasn't a fish and the guide's like set 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 and <laughs> and then the fish like jumps out of the water after they didn't set Freaking, up, freaking funny! Yes. What's Those yours? are bits.
2: Yeah. Do you have a favorite hack for keeping the rods from freezing up? Since we don't have electric rods yet. Um. No. I just. I think if you.
3: <laughs> I don't. I really don't. I just go okay. ahead and just find patience to go break them off. Break off the ice.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I've even worn gloves out here fishing in like three years. So down here, like I go up to New York or. Ohio. If I'm fishing the Great Lakes in winter, I'm breaking ice off, but yeah, I do that down here anymore. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely, uh definitely don't like it. It's uncomfortable to fish with gloves for sure. And,
3: but it's cold yeah, when it's I, like under when it's like under 32 though. It's pretty hard not to fish with gloves.
2: Do you ever wear the latex
3: gloves? I haven't, but I'm gonna start like trying them for sure.
2: That was gonna be my plan this year for steelhead. Yeah, once my hands get wet and then just freeze i just cannot get them warm again but i've got my solo stove now my little bonfire so i can always have that on the shore warming up my hands wow that's nice it's a coffee can sized fire pit and there's no smoke wow it's pretty awesome put that on your christmas list i like it
3: what kind of species do you catch out uh, out east in Virginia? Do you catch, so you said catfish, but do you yeah. get in smallies and then wait, do you get stripers?
2: You never know what you have until you land it. So, wow, the springtime, cool. late April, early May is when the shad come in. And those uh-huh. are migratory fish from the ocean. And you have hickory shad and American shad. Uh, you know, a big American can run seven pounds if she's oh my pounds. goodness! And there's- What do you catch them. them on? uh damsel flies and little jigs just wow. something tiny i use mostly size four streamer hooks or size 10 curved scud hooks uh-huh. and you, you can get 60 70 in a you know afternoon and they're all going to just bend a five weight and they're going to flip and jump and as that season progresses then the white perch show up the smallmouth wake up the crappy wake up the largemouth wake up you've got uh i mean there's goldfish in there there's tilapia you're that's look so cool like how how diverse that, that fishing uh that yeah. like biome of yeah. water system is
3: compared to like out here.
2: And then after the stripers show up, then the gar come in. Oh nice needlefish, and then that sort of tapers off. And then there's also the snakeheads migrating with the shad and stripers up mm-hmm. the shorelines. So that's just crazy in itself. Oh, so, yeah. And then we just do largemouth and stripers all summer. We'll do still waters <laughs> for largemouth. I've got a spot where the bluegill go over a pound. Wow. So on a four-weight, it's, it's pretty solid. What like are they? Deedhead kind of, nymphs, Chernobyl yeah. ants, kind of whatever. I do a yeah, lot of sure. uh, worpy fishing. Because a lot of my clients, they don't have... They, they, don't, they don't look down on what you would call junk flies, like glow yeah. bugs and worms. They don't know... They don't know. They don't have no idea. And my job is to make them smile. So I, yeah, we fish a ton of wormies.
3: Oh, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. They do a lot of that in Montana here for big,
2: big fish. There's some really cool stuff at Five and Below today. There was clear wormy material. And then they basically had some dolls, and their hair was basically squirmy, wormy material
3: five inches
2: long in pink, blue, or purple wow i I should really look there five below store man yeah in michigan they have them my daughter's like she goes there and spends her own money i'm like it's your money whatever (laughs) that's awesome bubble tape and some kind of squishy balls (laughs) whatever
3: the whatever a youngin wants to spend their money on that's funny
2: she wants robux for playing roblox
3: Oh no, you gotta, you gotta get out of there, yeah,
2: so your plan for working in a fly shops gonna come back in the in the warmer weather?
3: yeah, so seasonal it's definitely in the summers from like with college it'll be from like first week of May to first week of August, but then you know when college ends I and I plan to still be out there it'll like you know you can fish into the September October months with people with tourists still coming in.
2: Would you be the guide that goes down? Of the Gulf Coast or Florida in the winter, or would you stick around? Yeah,
3: and... that's like my all-time goal. Okay, that would just be incredible. That would be incredible because I, you know, I know I have some recognition in Florida areas, so i just like I don't know, I've been the best of both worlds. If you can get beaches in the winter and uh, mountains in the summer, because I love snow; it's gorgeous. But I don't like thirty-degree weather by any means.
2: Yeah, at least if it snows, I can handle it. We just get cold and no snow here.
3: Very that's probably kind of upsetting yeah
2: it's just it's just ugly and gross i get you i was I hoping get to get to colorado this winter but i you know summit county in colorado doesn't really want people coming there
3: yeah i mean some counties are stricter than others it's pretty crazy
2: Yeah, my wife doesn't think she's gonna she already got her ski pass she's like well what am i supposed to do and i said I oh drive. no but yeah, you have to
3: drive everywhere now if you want to get somewhere, too, because planes are kind of weird now, too.
2: Yeah, I got a lot of friends with RVs out here now, and I really want to get one, like a Class nice. B. Yeah. Way That'd cool, dude. More space than sleeping in my Xterra. <laughs>
3: and
2: Heck You said yeah. you got a bed set up in your truck?
3: Uh, I got a camper shell, but I'm definitely going to – like, I definitely have slept back there. It's just a little bit tight. It's it's pretty fun. Like well, I guess when you close it up it's tight because I'm um uh, I'm like five eleven and I have to bend my knees back there. And that's yep. uncomfortable. So I sometimes just sleep in the in the truck.
2: I spent a summer in Colorado living out of an original Honda C R V and Wow. My knees sort of had a spoon over the wheel bump for the rear uh-huh. wheel. Not comfortable. You couldn't even sleep diagonally in there. Plus, I had all my gear because I was living out of my car. Yeah. Sleeping on top of duffel bags and stuff at night. Mountain lions <laughs> outside, trying to eat that's, horses or the ranch. That's, that is the life right there. Yeah. You've got it good right now. At your age, with no, no kids, no wife, no mortgage, <laughs> still on your parents' health insurance? I believe so. Yeah. I mean, okay. Man. Yeah, I do. You've I know. A, so. you got it good. You're gonna look back. And just take advantage of all opportunities you can now. Not that you haven't <laughs> you've so you right. Pyramid Lake. You've done Alaska. You fished Oregon, all over Montana, all over Idaho. I'm very blessed. Yeah. Any saltwater?
3: Yes, I have done. I've done Key West, Florida, uh, Isle Mirada, Florida, and uh, just like Fort Lauderdale. And the my dad, my dad, when he took that job back when I was younger. Uh, he was in the, He was just north of Miami, about 35 minutes, and so I got to visit him over the course of the last six to seven years. So,
2: that's where my grandparents lived. It was awesome.
3: Oh yeah, it's it's way way cool over there. I got to do like peacock bass and just oh, banking banking it for snook and stuff and a little local tarpon. It was way cool.
2: Very cool. Anything else about pursuing fly fishing as a lifestyle and fly fishing as life? That I, didn't, I didn't ask you.
3: I guess one of the only things was like where the money comes from, and that's just something I'm trying to learn. Guiding is a way, and then there's, you know, making your own business is another way, and then there's, um, being a producer or like a photographer in the terms of media. And so I think if I could do them all one day, that would just be the ultimate dream. I love to film and make videos, and like take cool pictures and have a platform to post them. And you know, if I could be guiding and then take very cool pictures at the same time and work with a company and there's benefits all around. So that's, I guess, the only way of the dream of traveling, fishing and filming, if that can happen is if you have to, you have to be able to dive in and dabble into a little bit of everything.
2: And so that's what I'm trying to do at a young age. You'll have a big portfolio by the time you graduate and, and you are what you would call out. here somebody that works to live versus lives uh-huh. to work. There are people here that spend 12 hours a day in their offices there's, you know, before COVID rush hour was at four in the morning here. No way. Yeah. I, I would leave on, on road trips at five in the morning and just be completely stuck with cars that drove in from an hour away.
3: Oh my goodness. For work.
2: Yeah. Just to sit That's and uh, you know, pumped in air in no lights all day and then spend two hours driving home again. So your, your life is just working. So what you have like two days off that you can have fun. Versus someone like you that wants to, you know, work so you can have more fun time. Right. Exactly, man. Exactly. Yeah. All right. You want to do some random questions now? Sure. All right. What's the best sandwich in Missoula?
3: Best sandwich. I like Doc's. I haven't branched out much because I have a campus plan. And I like to use that to my advantage because it's hard to find extra side cash as a college student. That uh, I don't have a I don't have a stable job here, a stable like college job, other than some Doordash. But uh, yeah, I'd say Docs is a good on campus that I've experienced, and a good I, they have it off campus as
2: well. What about back in Boise?
3: Good sandwich in Boise. Yes. Ooh. Big Judd's makes a good burger, not necessarily
2: a sandwich. Is there an actual Big Judd?
3: I don't know. That's a good question, too. Right. Oh, a good sandwich in Boise, Lucky 13 is a great one.
2: I'm hoping that there's a podcast listener that's been taking notes of all of these and making one Google map
1: because <laughs> I that's sure awful.
2: heck haven't. That is hilarious. So, living or dead. Which fly fishing pioneer would you most want to go fishing with if given the opportunity?
3: Jeff Career. Nice.
2: That's going to be some bizarre place or it's going to be like a backyard pond.
3: You never yeah, know with him. Seriously. With him, you never know. Can you uh, do- I hope to fish with him soon.
2: Yeah, he's a really cool guy. I've only just met him at shows, but.
3: Yeah, his, his shows are cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, do, can you do any impersonations?
3: Oof. I could do the Grinch. Let's hear it. Oh, no. This is embarrassing, but I'll send it.
2: Hmm. I'll take, I haven't seen The Grinch. Those movies are creepy.
3: My girlfriend doesn't like it, but me and my buddy will do impersonations all the time when they're on the river. Nice.
2: Uh, do you have an ultimate bucket list destination? Say I fly into Montana tonight with a private jet gassed up, and I can take you anywhere in the world. <laughs> what's that spot that you have to fish before you die
3: oh man i've thought of this one before i would probably say it would have to be somewhere mm, i'd say somewhere like the seychelles so anywhere anywhere saltwater relate oh man i don't know it's specific that's tough i've actually thought of that Okay. Can I have, I'll do a couple of different scenarios. If we were if you were saying it had to be saltwater, definitely would be somewhere like Belize or you know like the South China Sea and catch or Africa and catch permit bonefish and tarpon like catch all those very cool inshore species. But if it were something else, for example like trout, it would definitely be New Zealand.
2: One of my clients lives down the street but he's a kiwi by birth his whole family's just been there quarantined and he's just been out trout fishing it's just not no that
3: is so unfair
2: what's the best part about owning a drift boat
3: i think it's just accessing water that no one else gets to and the luxury of being able to fish while like on the move and staying dry there's there's many
2: so i'm jealous i'm fishing still waters tidal creeks tidal bays if the water's moving, it's the tide. I don't yeah. actually get a fish like flowing water like you guys do. It's gorgeous. That's a complete different lifestyle. Uh, Very. Any, pet, any pet peeves? Um, buddies that bail last minute. For fishing or in general?
3: I'd say for fishing for the most part.
2: What about dudes that are late to fish? Um, like in a river you haven't seen the movie good excuse good excuse that'd have to be there but i mean if
3: you plan a date to fish with a guy let's say a week ago and you set that aside in your calendar and you text him the night of yo what's the game plan and he either doesn't respond until two in the morning because he's out doing his thing that is a pet peeve but it's you know there's excuses but it is it is frustrating because I, i'll get myself together and set up you know and then if he's not and it's frustrating
2: when you are consuming hot dogs, do you put ketchup or mustard on them?
3: Definitely ketchup.
2: And you know, Patrick Mahomes of the the Chiefs from Kansas City, apparently he puts ketchup on his Thanksgiving turkey. I believe it. Gross some people out.
3: I believe it. I mean, ketchup's good. He's just a big Chiefs guy, too, so he likes anything red.
2: Okay. <laughs> What's the <laughs> first thing you want to do once everyone's vaccinated with no coronavirus being around.
3: Go to a freaking football game. Missoula? Yeah, I want to watch our team play because that is something that's been taken from us, and that's a, a huge, a huge, huge deal here in Missoula.
2: Yeah, we still have Ohio State, and which is kind of cool because the season started so late because it was originally canceled. Uh-huh. We're going to be watching games into December. Wow. So I'm a little that's excited nuts. for that. Yes, I married into a, a Buckeyes family.
3: Wow. How was that? Is it not bad?
2: It's pretty good, man. My wife grew up five, six minutes from campus. That's cool. So, yeah, we're always over there. I, I was hanging out on campus this summer, and, and that was Labor Day weekend. We were up yeah. there on Labor Day, and the football. I didn't realize the football team was practicing when I went by the stadium. I could have gone and, and watched no way i heard it on the loudspeak i just thought they were replaying old stuff but they were out yeah. there practicing on the field
3: there you go i could
2: have walked up to the horseshoe and, and my wife actually lived in that stadium her freshman year inside the the how there were concrete dorm rooms inside the stadium what i don't that know how she did cold. it with no windows like you wake up at seven how do you know it's a.m or p.m that is so true yeah uh, what is your favorite hatch <laughs>
3: definitely uh oh henny's fork gets the green drakes and the goldstone flies at the same time basically and i think that is just unbeatable
2: as young as you are uh how are you fishing and guiding to prepare to protect yourself from the sun so you don't look like someone i mean i'm sure you've seen some old fishing guides and they're just like leather
3: yeah, that's something I need to work on. I'm. I actually have had like, uh, like mol- moles that were seriously needed to be checked out on my scalp, so I always wear a hat.
2: You are it's also huge. from and Maharashtraans have fair skin.
3: Yes, very
2: true. My wife, she uh, goes out on full moon, gets burnt.
3: Yeah, <laughs> so true. Um, my, it's actually kind of funny because my my mom and my brother both have like an olive dark skin. And so they never get burnt. But I'm much more white. I protect myself with... I try and wear... I don't really... I'm not a fan of buffs. But I wear... I like to wear, like, uh, SPF hoodies are my favorite. For sure.
2: I'm a big fan of the Patagonia really lightweight hoodies. I wore those all summer. And I've got a really expensive Australian cowboy hat. I couldn't wear it because I had to wear a buff over my face, which goes over my hat. (laughs) My yeah. hat all summer, which kind of sucks. You got to
3: find that like good happy medium outfit that just works in like every scenario.
2: I've got these pants. Um, I'm gonna do a podcast coming up. My favorite things. I got. Nice. I have them, the shorts. I wear the so I wear the capris when I'm guiding. What are those? It's like like women's long shorts. They go like down to my shin. Oh, okay. so they cover three quarters of my legs, so I don't get sunburnt. But then if I need to jump in and out of the boat, when I get back in i don't have all this wet legging like hanging up on my feet and dragging my pants down yeah i can wet weight in them i can jump in and out of the boat i look goofy and ridiculous but they're just awesome that's sweet and they're yeah, quick like, dry I like they're the,
3: stretchy i like quick dry pants yeah
2: no I, my, and, I and
3: crocs. It's, you gotta have crocs <laughs>
2: you're a crocs guy i'm a chaco dude oh dear yeah i got grateful dead chacos now i gotta show those to my brother next to my he's because he's gonna want a pair oh my all
3: goodness right.
2: last question
3: yeah
2: and i wanted to go into all sorts of millennial stuff but i feel like that would be almost making fun of you for being a millennial I <laughs>
3: want
2: to do that. Um, last question then uh you mentioned there was a big brown trout what is the biggest fly rod fish you've ever caught tell us about it
3: okay the biggest fly rod fish i've ever hooked was a tarpon last spring with my buddy Max uh, from Henry's Fork Anglers in Key West. Did not get the fish in, but I, I hooked it, um, and it was probably between like 80 and 120 pounds.
2: Oh, that's big.
3: It was, it, was a, it was a good fish. And then my largest fish to hand, it would either have to be, a okay, it's a tie, actually. Um, a 34-inch Lahat and Cutthroat out of uh, Pyramid Lake Or a 34-inch lake trout.
2: My goodness.
3: And those fish were in the 14 to 16-pound range, I would say.
2: Wow. Was Pyramid Lake as cool as you thought it was going to be?
3: The first time it wasn't. The second time it was like the experience.
2: That's even cooler. You've been back twice.
3: Uh, It was only about a six-hour drive from Boise. Not bad. Not bad at all.
2: All right, Mr. Joseph, where can listeners find you online?
3: Yeah, so my website's www.idafly.com. On there, you can find like Henry's Fork Anglers. You can find just some stickers and shirts I made for fun when I dropped the website. And then you can also find some like my past work and like some fun little stories my buddies have written uh, through a blog. And then you can find my Instagram. It's at I-D-A-A-F-L-Y-Y. So IdaFly, two A's, two Y's. And my TikTok is also that, and then I have a YouTube as well, which is just I to
2: fly. Fantastic. Well, thanks for joining us this evening. If you ever find yourself in the DC Metro area, maybe you're flying to Michigan and there's a layover in DC, you can catch fish at the either end of the runway. That's awesome. Five minute walk in either direction, catch fish. One That's end is so stripers, cool. the other end is carp, catfish, tilapia, goldfish, <laughs> snakeheads, etc.
3: That is so cool that fly fishing is uh, exists in that part of a community doesn't matter if it's warm water or cold water species right thank you so much for having me today it was great talking with you all right
2: dude thank you so much have a safe travel and thank you. let us know how you do on the steelhead trip in Michigan
3: yeah we'll do it'll right be on. it'll be it'll be all over the media pages uh, updating how the fishing is and how my uh hands are freezing
2: yeah. All right, man. And I'll send you the solo stove bonfire stuff, too. Yeah. I mean, the go. thing will fit in your, your, your gear bag. Wow. It puts off three, like, like if you, like a hula hoop size radiation of heat from this little thing. And yeah. it runs on just garbage and sticks.
3: My goodness. Yeah.
2: All right, man. Well, thank you so much. And we'll thank be in you. touch. Thank yeah. you.
3: Yeah. Take care, man. Appreciate Thanks. it.
1: Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. This podcast is brought to you by Freestone Productions at freestoneproductions.com.
0: A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.